Well, welcome to our Sunday evening Bible study. Uh, we'll be in the uh, finishing up James chapter 3 tonight, verses 13 through 18. And we do want to recognize those who are, are listening online. Uh, it, it's amazing just uh, how God uses the ministries uh, here in a church in the middle of nowhere to, uh, that's still being downloaded from basically the coast to coast. We people in Oregon, people in New Jersey, uh, and uh, points around the states and around the globe. Uh, downloading both, uh, or uploading, however you say it, uh, both our evening and, and morning services. So praise God that uh, uh, that's where technology is good, right? I mean, we all get frustrated with it sometimes, and, and uh, we certainly can see, uh, I don't want to say the evils of it, the evil ways people use it. There, there's a difference, right? I used to say that about watching TV. You know, people say, well, I don't watch TV because it's just, well, it depends on what you tune it to. Uh, there's nothing inherently evil about a television. It's the person that's got the channel knob. Uh, you know, that's that's where the problem is. So anyway, all that being said, uh, we've covered trucks and and uh, and evil and listeners, and uh, so let's get into the study by a word of prayer. Father, as we enter into your text tonight, we want to be reminded, it's good that we're reminded that this is your word, your word to us. And Father, we are asking for your help in the presence of the Holy Spirit to help us understand this marvelous text, this, this truth that you have given us. And then, Father, we always want to pray that we'll go beyond just learning and uh, find application. What difference is this going to make in the way we live our lives? So that would be our goal, and we'll just leave that up to you in accomplishing that end. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm just going to read this final section because as I go through my notes here, we're kind of uh, bounced back and forth between verses a few times. So uh, rather than try to sequentially walk through it, we'll read the whole text and then do a summary. So beginning in James chapter 3, verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct, let him show his work in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and good fruits, uh, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And I would just like to say for those who were here this morning that uh, uh, Onesimus uh, was the slave. Okay? Who was here this morning? That was so funny. Once you get tongue-tied... There was no way I was going to say that. It was just never going to come out. <laughs> so, so James, in, chapter 3 can be broken down in three areas. Uh, we began with, a, with an exhortation. Uh, then he goes to an illustration, and that's what we uh, covered over the last couple of weeks and, and dealt with the tongue and the, and the, uh, the, the bridle and the, uh, the rudder. Uh, and those things. And, and now we go to application. And folks, I think this is critical, that as we gather in a Bible study, 
Number one, we want to learn the text. We want to learn the Scripture. But I think it's so important is, okay, how does this affect my life? What does this mean in the way I live out my life? And what difference does it make? So to the Jewish people, they realized that there was a very clear difference between knowledge and wisdom. Now, I say clear difference. That's not necessarily accurate. There was a difference. In other words, what they believed is you could have knowledge and not have wisdom. But you're probably not going to have wisdom if you don't have knowledge. So there's all kinds of little sayings. One of the best is probably uh, wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. Because it is possible to know a lot of things and be worthless, (laughs) right? So knowledge alone isn't the thing. Wisdom is what James is going to set up here, and he's going to do a contrast by talking about uh, wisdom of earthly value and wisdom of heavenly value. So uh, Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And I would suspect that all of us have have heard uh, presentations uh, 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 from from brilliant scholars, maybe, or or just uh, any any arena that we might have been in, and I, I've I've found this out. I, I've walked away from conferences with pages and pages of notes, and then when I went back and looked at them, I thought, you know, they just kind of lost their stuff. You know what I mean? So what did I really gain? I gained a lot of knowledge out of that, but they basically ended up on a shelf or in a file drawer somewhere because. After all, the, the emotion was over, I found out I didn't really have much life application. I just had a lot of information. And, and I don't know whether you've ever experienced that. And, and for me personally, I, I want to be careful with this, but I really lost interest in going to a lot of conferences. I just, I just lost interest. Uh, uh, I think there's, uh, anyway, moving on. That's neither here nor there. So, so we know what it's like to hear a lot of good stuff, but walk away wondering, what impact did that really have on my life? You know, that's what we want to be careful of. We don't let it happen. All right. So in our text, James says, true wisdom comes from above. False wisdom comes from below. So we have heavenly wisdom. Let's put it this way. And we have earthly wisdom. One comes from God and one comes from man. Now, which one do you think is the best? And that's exactly what this whole section deals with. It, there's going to be this contrast. So let's look at some of man's wisdom, all right? Tower of Babel. I like that story. Now, that seemed like a great idea at the time. Have you ever been to one of those uh, situations? Well, and you heard people say it. Well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Tower of Babel, there was this desire to get closer to God, right? Well, now we know their heart. Obviously, from the text and from the result, we know their heart wasn't in the right place. But that would be an easy thing to sell to other people. This is a great idea. Let's get higher. Let's get closer to God. So let's build this tower. So the idea has a good sense to it, but it was a complete disaster. And we know why. God said, that isn't the way you get close to me. (laughs) Okay? It isn't the way you do it. Uh, You know, uh, Abraham... Seemed like a good idea. There was a famine in the land. Everybody's starving. Let's go to Egypt. Well, okay, that had some pretty significant consequence. Now, we can see how God used that. We can see how it all played out. But, uh, you know, Samuel wanted to 
dress uh, David up in, in uh, heavy armor and all this stuff. Seemed like a great idea, but it wasn't God's plan. But look at, look at the two, look at that contrast for an example. Everything about that would seem right. Let's put him in armor. Let's protect him. Let's send him out to battle like you would any other, other soldier. God's idea was complete foolishness. Right? Appeared to be. Complete foolishness. David says, no, I think I'll just go out with my sling. Yeah, right. So, so we can see how we got to be careful with, with the idea of human reasoning. Although a wise person ought to be able to reason things wisely. So what is the origin of man's wisdom? I love the way uh, uh, the, 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 the Word of God puts it here. That earthly, well, the wisdom that does not come from above is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Guys, that's pretty tough. That's pretty tough. And that's the way James wraps it up. So uh, you've probably heard the believer has three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? That's our three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Look how that ties into James. So what's un, what, what is uh, uh, earthly wisdom? Well, uh, man's wisdom, earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. That sounds very much like, right, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So, uh, again, there's, there's this great contrast, and they're diametrically opposed. So the world, by its wisdom, the Scripture says, doesn't even know God. Worldly wisdom cannot bring you to a knowledge of God. Uh, and, and it rejects. Paul says that the preaching of the cross is to them foolishness. It makes no sense. And the natural man cannot discern spiritual truths. And, and I've said this, and, and I'll, I'll stand by it, that if, if you hear of someone who says, well, I've just read the Bible, I've, I, I've read it a whole bunch of times, and it just never really made much sense to me. Well, folks, we have a spiritual problem there. We have a spiritual problem. Because the Bible was written to spiritual people, and it takes the illumination of the Holy Spirit uh, for us to understand that. Now, he will give you that understanding. So, uh, Paul has this to say about God's wisdom and man's wisdom. Uh, both from 1 Corinthians, man's wisdom is foolishness to God, and God's wisdom is foolishness to man. I love the way he puts that in, in, in his letter to, to the Corinth church, to the church in Corinth. So, in contrast, uh, uh, the, the wisdom that is earthly and the wisdom that is above, where should our focus be? Well, here's a series of things which ought to direct us to the right focus. In other words, wisdom from above. First of all, James describes a wisdom that is from above in verse 17 of our text. He says, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. The Christian looks up to heaven for all of his needs. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our Father is in heaven. Our treasures are in heaven. We are born from above when we trusted Christ. Our home is in heaven. Our hope is in heaven. And we are to set our affections and attention on the things above, not on earthly things. I think that's pretty clear. We're a people that should be always looking up. Looking up. Uh, I, I remember preaching in Haiti one time and I I looked outside this little uh, uh, mud and rock facility we're in and, and uh, 
there was a, a donkey walking by, and it was all, you know, heavy laden, always burdened, always got them big thatch, uh, I call them saddlebags, but they were just uh, handmade thatch uh, sacks on each side. And that old donkey, well, he just plods along all day. Same pace, but he never lifts his head. He never, he never has to look up. He's just got to just see in one foot in front of the other. Guys, there's a lot of Christians just plodding along like that. And quite often it's because they're carrying their own burdens. <laughs> you know, and I use that illustration and, and the Haitians connected to it, you know. Uh, and I said, when you get on an airplane, the first thing you want to do is get the nose up, right? Glenn, you're a pilot. How often do you take off with the nose down? Once? <laughs> Or land in similar fashion, right? So, you know, we, we want to live like airplanes. Get, get, get your nose up. Look up. All right. Uh, don't get your nose out of joint. Just look up. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, and, and also, wisdom and knowledge and understanding, again from Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, folks, the, the, the whole point of this, and moving on and trying to move a little bit rapidly, the whole point of this is you cannot have good wisdom, you cannot know good wisdom if you don't know God. That's like love. People say, well, I love. Well, there is a earthly love. It's usually more like lust <laughs> or, or it's an emotion. But the bottom line is you cannot know true love to its fullest extent if you don't know the Lord. If you don't know, that's just reality because God is love. So in order to know true love, you got to know, you got to know the person of love. That makes sense? So again, wisdom falls into that, that, uh, that same category. So James goes on to say, and I love this, in one verse, he gives us uh, four points of false wisdom. First of all, it will always contain bitter jealousy. Uh, the, this word carries uh, a selfish ambition would be another one. Uh, the wisdom of the world says, promote yourself. Promote yourself. And, uh, you know, be all you can be. The, 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 the wheel that squeaks the loudest gets the most, the most grease or whatever it is, you know. Uh, the, and that's verse 14a. Verse 14b, selfish ambition falls into this now. And this is an interesting word I, I found as I read this. It was a word used by the Greeks to describe a politician who was canvassing for votes or support. And, and, and that's, it, it goes back to self-promotion. But uh, how often does a, a politician tell you the truth if he would just, all he wants is your vote? Right? Got to be careful with that, Elvin. I know that because there, there's still one or two. Uh, out there that might, <laughs> but, and so, but the bottom line is it's, it's still self-promotion, someone jockeying for position. Now this is going to tie in to some more of James' text because that's exactly what was going on in the church. And that's why he was having problems there. People were promoting self and this maneuvering for positions and authority, and some of them even wanting to be teachers and leaders so they could exercise that authority. So this is all connected. Uh, a spirit of self-seeking will always create rivalry and division in the church. And uh, next in verse 14, he lists boasting. 
Well, here again, that's just the evidence of pride. The evidence of pride and self-exaltation. Uh, a pride, uh, pride loves to boast, right? Uh, what was that old song? Oh, mercy. Uh, yes. It's, it's, oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Yeah. Isn't that a great tune? I mean, that, cap, that really captures the thought here. You know, and then you've run across that person who is very proud of their humility. Right? They're always telling you how humble they are. You've met them, haven't you? Guys, that's not humility. That's not humility at all. You can't boast in your humility. <laughs> you just can't do it. It's contradictory. And then again, boasting. And, and when God's at work, when God's wisdom is at work, there will always be a sense of humility and submission because our desire should be that God alone gets the glory for everything that he does in our lives and the lives around us. And the last thing uh, James mentions in that verse 14 is uh, a deceit or uh, lying false to the truth, lie not against the truth, uh, New, New King James says, I believe. And, and the sequence, follow the sequence here, selfish ambition rivalry, boasting, and lies. As you walk through the four points that, uh, that James points out. So that is wisdom from below. Let's look at wisdom from above. Meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Best defined as power under control. The meek person seeks only to glorify the Father and does not cater to the praise of men. And meekness is a fruit of the Spirit. So, meekness. Then there's purity. I'm in, I'm in verse 17 now. Uh, purity. Pure indicates the importance of what? I think immediately of holiness. Holiness. And God is holy. Therefore, wisdom from above will reflect the holiness of God. And if we seek the holiness of God, we will receive his wisdom in it. There's a direct correlation. <clears throat> so purity. God's wisdom leads to purity. Man's wisdom is going to lead to sin and failure. Peace. Man's wisdom leads to competition, rivalry, war, but it is peace, it is peace that we can only receive from Christ. What did Jesus tell his followers? He told him, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. I think that's the greatest example of what James is saying here. Jesus, in other words, is saying there's two kinds of peace. There's a peace that the world will offer you, and then there's my peace. My peace. Because he had said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So that's the peace that we have through the trouble. All right? That Christ has been already, Christ has been victorious over this world. So, Again, James said, if you want peace, you need to know Christ because he's the author. You want to know love? You, now, this is out of context here, but you want to know love, as I said earlier? You've got to know God. 
Because God is love. All right. Then there's gentleness. Verse 17. Uh, an author named Matthew Arnold liked to call this the sweet reasonableness. It carries the meaning of moderation without compromise, gentleness without weakness. And I think those are best displayed in the life of our Savior. He was certainly not a weak man in any way, shape, or form. But he was gentle, okay? Uh, he, wasn't, uh, he didn't just roll over. Uh, he stood firm uh, against the critics of the day, the religious leaders of the day, uh, but uh, uh, so there was a meekness about him, but he certainly wasn't weak. He wasn't weak. All right, so we have gentleness. The next one in, in verse 17 is, is uh, uh, be open to reason. This is wisdom from above, being open to reason. Uh, God's wisdom makes the believer agreeable and easy to live with and work with. Man's wisdom makes a person hard and stubborn, all right? Now, this never indicates compromise. That's not in the text. We're not talking about compromise. But there has to be a, a level of, of compliance as we work with one another. Because I don't know whether you've picked up on this, but we're all different. We're all different in, in many ways. Now, we're all the same in the essential ways, right? Okay. But there's diversity in the body of Christ. We Sometimes we process information a little bit differently. We've got to be understanding of that, all right? Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, again, there's just a multitude of personality traits. And, and how many have ever been through those personality surveys? Figure out what personality, uh, what are you, do you know? You don't know, you know, so you're just kind of passive about this whole thing, yeah. <laughs> What's that? Forgetful. Forgetful, okay. But anyway, there's some legitimacy to them. I, I know there are, but uh, we, we, all I'm saying is there's a difference, and that's how we get along. Uh, what, what's the saying? You can disagree without being disagreeable, you know? So there is a sense where that's necessary uh, as we strive to get along. And the last one we have here is mercy. Again, from verse 17, a reflection of wisdom above. will always contain mercy uh, to be full of something, which the text says, uh, to be full of mercy. I love that. Full of mercy. Uh, it means to be controlled by it. Simply As simple as that. To be controlled by it. Uh, Ephesians tell us, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be full of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's what it means. Don't be controlled by any other substance. <laughs> uh, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So the person who follows God's wisdom is controlled by mercy. Mercy. Again, verse 17 is loaded, guys. So we're going to basically finish up here and, and then just have a couple of closing comments. What else is wisdom from above? What are the evidence? Good fruits. Good fruits. Uh, uh, let's read the verse again. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. This is, this is quite a list. It's easy to read through some of these texts and forget that there are, what, five, six, seven points here? Seven, whatever there are, don't let me lose count there. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine points in one verse. 
Wow. I need to read things more slowly, don't I? I mean, really, we kind of rush through that. We miss it. Nine principles that are taught here. Uh, so we have the good fruits. People who are faithful are fruitful. Thanks, Wiersbe, for that. Uh, God's wisdom does not make life empty. It's full. Then we have impartial. Uh, the word uh, really suggests a, a firm uh, mind. Uh, it's really the opposite of wavering. Remember James said, don't be tossed back and forth. Uh, you know, like the, by the waves of the don't, you know. Uh, and so this kind of ties into that same thought. Uh, be de- decisive would be a good word. Be decisive. Don't, don't wiggle, wander around. And the last one is sincerity. Sincerity. It, uh, uh, well, really, the, the easy translation of this is don't be a hypocrite. That's where the word comes from. Don't be a hypocrite. And what is, uh, you've probably heard this a thousand times around church circles, but why is the word hypocrite so often associated with the church and those who attend church? It's a Greek uh, theater term. It's a theater term. It literally describes a play actor. Someone who acts in a production, and the Greeks were, wore masks in a lot of their plays. So it would literally be a hypocrite who's someone who wears a mask. They're being some, they're looking like someone that they're not. All right? So my definition, the famous Elvin Diller definition of a hypocrite, is someone who isn't themselves on Sunday. Mostly the world turns that around. But, uh, and that's what James says, okay? Be sincere, be real. Uh, the man's, when man's wisdom is at work, there may be insincerity or pretense. When God's wisdom is at work, there is openness and honesty. And that's what the church needs to be, open and honest. All right, we made it through that verse. So what can we say about this in summary? Number one, worldly wisdom will always produce trouble. Always. It will never, even though it sounds like a good idea at the time, it will never work out well. The old saying, this isn't going to end well when we apply earthly wisdom uh, to a solution or try to solve a problem. Uh, Envy, strife, confusion, evil works. Uh, In James 4, James is going to deal with this. He's going to talk about wars and fightings among the believers. So there's an old saying, wrong thinking produces wrong living. Uh, One reason the world is in such a mess, why? Because the world doesn't seek God's wisdom. If if I may say very quickly, uh, and, and again, this is redundant. I know I've said it many times before, but sometimes we get angry at the way the world acts. We get angry at the way the world thinks. And that's really a futile thing because the world is only acting in accordance with its nature. The world cannot act any different. The world cannot think any different. The, the world in this definition is the unsaved, so they don't have the wisdom of God. So why do we get angry when they're just being themselves? The, the bottom line is, do we reflect that same uh, 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 consistency in our Christian life? Are we acting according to our new nature? Or are we being controlled 
by our old nature, which is what the world. So really the criticism should fall on the Christian, Christian community, not the world. The world doesn't have any excuse. They're not saved. We, we shouldn't offer an excuse for acting like them. All right. Jealousy, competition, this party spirit, this, this campaigning, uh, all of these contribute to confusion. Remember the Tower of Babel. Uh, from one man's point of view, the building of the tower was a wise thing, but from God's viewpoint, the project was this plain stupid. Now, that's not from the text. That's my own translation. Okay? But, uh, and what did it result in? Mass confusion. Mass confusion. That's where the world wisdom, and finally, where does God's wisdom take us? Into his blessings. It takes us into his blessings. James returned to the word fruit in, in, uh, uh, in verse 18, this, this, uh, this idea of harvest, this harvest of righteousness. Okay, so what does it mean to harvest righteousness? It means that righteousness is being produced. So there's a harvest of uh, the fruit of righteousness. And this is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we have this, this agricultural uh, closing uh, to wrap this up. And, you know, if, if fruit is the product of life, that fruit has seeds, right? Agricultural term. Uh, Glenn, if you want to uh, harvest wheat, what are you going to sow? You're going to sow wheat, okay? Uh, you're not going to sow corn and, and be disappointed when soybeans come up, you know, or, or because you didn't get soybeans uh, when it comes up. So, the, the, life of, the life of the fruit, it's in the seed. And whatever that seed is, it's going to produce after its own kind. That's God's pattern. That's the God's pattern for the Christian life. Produce after its own kind. That's the way the church does. That's the way the church grows. Lamb beget, lambs beget lamb. Beget lamb, right? Okay? Getting tongue-tied again. Better wrap it up. So, what we are is what we live. I'm going to read this statement directly. What we are is what we live, and what we live is what we sow. What we sow determines what we reap. Can I read that again? What we are is what we live, and what we live is what we sow. What we sow determines what we reap. If we live in God's wisdom, we sow righteousness and peace, and we reap God's blessings. If we live in man's worldly wisdom... We sow sin and war, and we reap confusion and every evil work. End of chapter 3. Questions, comments on the two forms of wisdom that James outlines here, and uh, any confusion on what might be the best one to follow? I, I fear that, uh, oh, I don't know, fear is not a bad, not a good word, but uh, we, are, we live in such an information-saturated culture. We have so much knowledge at our fingertips, literally, literally, one click away from pages, volumes of stuff you can learn. Are we just getting smarter? Or are we getting more effective in our Christian life?
Father, I thank you for your word once again, for its power, for its conviction. And Father, not only does your word convict, it gives us a solution. And I really love that. You're not going to tell us what's wrong without giving us the solution. And you have done that. You have done that. First of all, through the gift of your son. And then secondly, through the word that reveals him. So we are so grateful. And Father, may we say, we're glad that we are without excuse. We just need to be more faithful to what you have given us and to the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.